Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Heeson here with special guest Dean McMurray. Today is Wednesday and this is your daily dose of happy and we are so happy you decided to join us today. And Dean, I, you, you heard the, uh, the hesitation there. I'm trying out a new uh, intro and I just loved it. And we were talking before the show about how you know, when you flub it, the flubs are almost as good as the real thing, you know. So we're going to go with that was almost as good as the real thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, thanks for having me back, Walt. It's uh, really an honor not only to be asked, but be back on your show. And, and, and I'm loving the new intro. Well, I'm doing the new intro because, uh, as I told you before the show and listeners know about this, um, we are within a few weeks of getting our show onto local cable access television. And that's and cool. the person who is the station manager, uh, I gave her a, a sample show, one of the shows that I did with Cindy Chavez, who is, by the way, people who are wondering, she's out uh, sick today, not feeling well, so that's why Dean is sitting in. Um, but uh, we did this uh, introductory version for the cable channel, and the person who runs the station got back to me and said, yeah, let, you know, let's see if we can work something out. Um, by the way, uh, are your shows, do they have to be on the air at a certain time? I asked, what do you mean? She said, well, because you always date it at the top. And it hadn't occurred to me that could be an issue because if they're running the shows on a different date, that could be right. rather confusing. <laughs> so after years and years of doing the other intro, I think it's time I switched the intro up. So Switch it up, yeah. putting some new energy coming in, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, it's going to take a little time because I had it written out and I still flubbed it. So it's going to take <laughs> That's some That's all practice. right. That's all right. You know, we were talking, too, before we went live about, you know, um, I think I was just asking you the curiosity of how long you've been doing the show and, and you know, and kind of the beginnings of things, right? Right. And to, to get through, but what we perceive, what we need to, what it needs to be like constructed in our mind, and then the reality of what it actually shows up to um, be like. So right. the, we talk about the realism. We were, I think you brought up the analogy of, you know, reality TV is still scripted at some level. Yeah, yes. but <laughs> stuff like this is just so real and raw. And um, where, um, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't script out. I mean, I, you know, it's like well, you well, no know. self dis- no no self respecting producer would ever script it out this way anyway. I mean, let's be honest. Right. About it. <laughs> well, you're losing such great content if you do, I believe, and yeah. and really, uh, I mean, I think that you would get away from the true nature of things. If you start doing that, because um, the energy is just—I call it just kind of wonky, right? It's—it's it's off. You, I agree. you feel it inauthentic. Yep. It's like, boy, they sound like a robot. They're just mm-hmm. really in a box. Instead yeah. of, hey, it was a really fun. They were able to do this, and and it just kind of gets boring, right? I, I kind of thought from the beginning because I I asked myself eight years ago when I first started right. doing the show, how do I want this show to go? And at first it was right. me and Louise doing it together, and she kind of lost interest after a couple episodes. And uh, right. then a, a few months later, my brother and sister-in-law came on, and my sister-in-law actually did some right. shows with me for a while. And then she had other things she needed to do. And then my friend Joel Elston, I was telling you about him, he came on and did it for, right. for quite a few years with me. But during all that time of, of just kind of feeling out how it's all going to go, I kept asking myself, how do I want this show to be? What do I want it to be like? Right. And one of the first answers I came to, it took me about two years to get there, but it was, well, I want it to be a happy show. I want it to be a show that feels good. And that's where your daily dose of happy ultimately came from. Nice. And okay. then the other thing that I really wanted, I wanted it to be like, you know, my co-host and I were sitting at a table in a restaurant chatting and listeners got to listen in over our shoulders. Mm. I wanted to have that kind of feel, but without the clanking sounds of the silverware in the kitchen. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the mouthfuls of uh, whatever. Right. Exactly. And how yeah. many of those conversations have we actually all overheard? Like somebody talking about their recent colonoscopy or something. <laughs> well, yeah. Next door. It's you like, can't uh, rule those out to... here, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. but. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but yeah. mostly, no, we, we focus on, on the Daily Dose of Happy. We focus That's on awesome. keeping it light and, and fun. Um, I'm, I love doing the shows on Thursdays and yesterday also because um, uh, Dan and Alex who do the Thursday show with me sat in on the Tuesday show because David Strickle, who does the Tuesday show, couldn't do that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
when I do a show with Dan and Alex, I basically, it, it's kind of like what I told you before the show, only a little bit different. It's like with Joel, I would say one thing and he'd be gone for 20 minutes talking about <laughs> it. With Dan and Alex, it's a funny thing. I'll bring up a topic. We'll kill the topic in about 20 seconds. And then it's just the Dan and Alex show going crazy with every single funny thing they can think of to say. <laughs> and, and me trying to keep up, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, well, you, you, know. you know, everything that I've heard you talk about, Walt, is really about creating a community, right? So yeah. in an environment, a network of not only not only your great guests and, and co-hosts, but really your listeners out there and creating an inter, oh, totally. you know, that, that geodescent um, pattern of that connection. Yeah. And um, I, I just too. love that. You're creating a community. I mean, we get so much email and, and messages through the, uh, the LOA today app. That was a big breakthrough getting that app out there. I bet. Um, and yeah. Oh, the feedback that we get. I mean, first of all, we get people sending in questions, by the way, Speaking of which, I should do a little promo. You know, those of you who have the LOA Today app, thank you for downloading and using it. And use the uh, the app to send your questions in because you can send a question to any of my co-hosts and we'll address it on the next show that they're on. Um, but also make sure you're sharing the app with others so that they're able to do the same thing. And it actually makes it pretty easy to contact us. But, Dean, the, the contacts that we get, I mean, every once in a while there's somebody right. you can't satisfy. But for the most part, First of all, we have fabulous listeners, people who are advanced conscious creators. And I love that fact. That That's was so I mean, awesome. I, I think a lot of them are better at it than I am, to be perfectly blunt. <laughs> and they, the messages they write of, of support and appreciation are just off the scale. Isn't I mean, that how beautiful? often do we talk about the importance of gratitude and appreciation? Right. Our listeners are the most appreciative listeners I have ever heard of in oh, my life. So, yeah, we so have a awesome. fabulous community. And that's as much a testament to them as it is to me and my team. Well, you know, it was interesting is that one of the, one of the things that the overwhelming piece that, um, made me reach out and connect with you, Walt, is the overall vibe of your show. Um, you know, although I'm a, a rec I'm a newcomer, you know, obviously. You're the newbie. Connect yeah, I'm the newbie. <laughs> but, um, you know, I really feel into obviously the energy piece of shows, but, um, it just, I, I just felt it. It felt it had the good vibe, right? The happy vibe. It just, um, and I was like, this, this feels good. And, um, I'm glad to hear that the response is great because when you're putting out that, and this is kind of like the karmic energy, right? When mm -hmm. you're putting out good vibes, good things will come back and you're going to connect to great people and they're going to be attracted to the same. So. Um, it's no wonder that you got great, great folks when you're putting out great vibes. Of course, there's always well, going to be ones or twos, but yeah, you know, that don't, yeah, yeah but, you can't, um, you can't satisfy everybody. There's no, way no you can't. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Everybody needs love. So, but you were asking about when I went to five days a week, you asked me before, yeah. why did I do that? And it was yeah. because I just loved it so much. I couldn't get it awesome. once a week. So at that time, that was, um, Let's see, that was November of 2016, 2017. I can't remember which year. But at that point, I said, okay, well, I need a lot more co-hosts because Joel can't do it with me right. so five days a week, so I need somebody else. And so it was a Sunday, and I remember thinking, well, I'll just go find some life coaches. Life coaches are usually into this stuff, you know. So I'll find <laughs> some life coaches. And I, and I found like a half dozen of them and sent them emails. And you know what? Three of them wrote back saying, you know what was happening today? I was thinking I should really get into doing a podcast and your email <laughs> came through and all three of them became co-hosts. Oh, that's so Tom awesome. Wells and Wendy Dillard. And it was just an amazing thing. Cindy's that's still so, with me after all these that, years. That's like, so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like another proof of law of attraction really does work. Right. It know? does. It truly does. And a lot of people don't get that. But I'm so curious, Walt, like, did you have a career in radio or anything before you started podcasting, or is it something that you're like, you know, I want Not to really express this with everybody? I mean, when I was in college, I did college radio, mm -hmm. which is, you know, this was back in the late 1970s, and anyone who mm -hmm. was in school at that point knows that college radio at that point was mainly get out an album, play it, and then say a minute of things, and then put another album on. So there wasn't mm -hmm. a whole lot of mic work. But I did enjoy the part that I did. Sure. And, you know, sometimes I do mixes and so forth so I can say more. 
<laughs> just to sure. have more airtime, right? Sure. But no, I never pursued a career in radio. I think because I just heard you never got any good money that way. And I figured, well, I, I've got to be able to earn a living. You know, but yeah, I, I've had that thought. I've wondered to myself, what would have happened if I had gone down that path? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. But right. I did have a little bit of experience and it did right. tell me, well, first of all, I got good input on my voice. People were telling mm-hmm. me, okay, you got a good radio voice. I said, oh, okay, good. All right, well, that's a good start. Now, if I had, did you say talent, what are you saying about my face? No, <laughs> <laughs> you have a great voice for radio. What are you saying about my face? Well, well, the thing about radio is they don't care about your face, right? Yeah, you know, it's like right? they, they don't. The They're voice. listening to your voice, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the old adage of you, you got to, you got, or I have a face for radio. <laughs> you know, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, radio is just it's it's its own animal right so all the you know um it, it's kind of an interesting genre because a lot of people in the podcasting world are like you're you're streaming live now um you know as far as blunders and bleeps and whatever there's not a lot of really second thoughts to it but in live radio it's always worried about oh dead air or hey you know in the podcast world it's like whatever <laughs> it's like you know it's um well i've know, always sponsors... been cognizant of that i've been aware right, of it. i don't want but you know i don't want to have the dead space and right right it right. actually helped me to develop as a conscious creator mm. because there are times where you had a topic in mind sometimes we don't today we just start kind of winging right. it but there are right, times yeah. where you have a topic in mind and then the topic is done after 10 minutes and okay now what do i do now what do you right. do right you know and Sometimes I'm blessed with a co-host like Joel who could, I could say one thing and he's done for the next 20 minutes and I might be able right. to get something in edgewise, but that's not always the case with everybody, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to get that moment where, okay, what comes next? And I, I don't remember exactly what the impetus was behind it, but at one point talking to one of my co-hosts after a podcast episode, I think it was Wendy. She was suggesting to me, just use it as an opportunity to connect within and see what comes out. And I have never been one who's been really great at getting verbal communication or, you know, commu- uh, word communication going on. I could occasionally get an image. I can occasionally sure. get a feeling, you know, but not much more than that. So that was kind of terrifying, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but I decided to try it. And, and the way I ended up doing it was if it came to a point where I knew I didn't have anything to say. Right. I would come out with I, I use I had like two or three phrases I would use. Well, that makes me think of mm. um, what you what you say there kind of leads me to think about something else, and it is and in the course of saying those words, then I just open my mouth and see if anything comes out. Mm. And the astonishing thing was, more often than not, something came out. There you go, and, and it. As it was coming out, it felt to me hesitant and like, I have no idea where this is going and am I using right. complete sentences? And then I'd listen to myself afterward and I'd say, that actually made sense. <laughs> How did I do that? <laughs> Feel like you're talking in circles and rambling, yeah. And yeah. I and, actually but, have gotten better at it. So I, I kind of think maybe it's my way to learn how to do that interconnection thing. You know, to have sometimes doing what would could be considered um, conscious channeling. In a sense, you know, yeah. In a, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done a speech or something and been up there and said, when you get done, you're like, I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> and everybody is like, oh, my God, that was so great. And it's like, really? I Yeah, okay, thanks. And <laughs> you said, I don't know, you know, just nod and just bye-bye. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had I haven't had a total blank on a speech, sure. but I have given talks where I had it pretty well mapped out, and mm-hmm. I would get to the middle of the talk and I couldn't remember what came next. Sure, you know, so I had so I think I actually had practiced doing this channeling thing or whatever it is earlier on, but they, yeah, they never complained and they always thought it was a really great speech. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why am I not getting paid to do this? <laughs> right, right. I remember one time I was doing a gallery at a um, a psychic gallery um, at a casino, and I was so nervous. It was my biggest event. Um, psychic, and, I got I got to interrupt you there. A psychic yeah. gallery at a casino. 
Yeah, so you think I mean, about I, like I mean, if you're playing like poker or blackjack, I would think the other players are freaking out over the idea that there's a psychic <laughs> at the table. Well, this was actually I'll preface it by saying it was pe- pe- part of a paranormal convention. Oh, okay. And I was the featured medium to give a mediumship gallery. So you think of a public gathering, about four or five hundred folks, and then you get up there and you know give evidential. Um, oh, okay. Prove that, you know, uh. Um, so you weren't actually at the tables. And I so wasn't a, uh, you know, hit me again, you know, and then <laughs> yeah, it's like your grandma's here. It's like I was, you know, it's like Maybe she wants you to bet on what, you know, <laughs> he wants you to bet on red 14. Yeah, right. It's like a gambling. Maybe we can make that a thing. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Somebody's I mean, like, they're... hey, put me down for the, for the lotto. Exactly. So, yeah. you, you actually get a, a stream of people following you over to the roulette table and whatever you bet, right. they bet the same thing. <laughs> They'd be like, I wonder how much money keep keep tabs on him, see how much money he loses right. <laughs> or wins. <laughs> That's why I don't I don't uh I don't do the gambling part, so I'm not uh, I'm not all that great at it. So it's but, funny um, though. I had a co host um fairly early on. He was about my fourth one, I think it was. Um his name was David Bartke. He was only with me for a few months, but he he was uh first of all he was very um he had a very strict approach to law of attraction. He always presented it the same way. He always addressed the same kinds of topics, which is probably why he was only here for three or four months. <laughs> but uh, he also was really good at applying it in his life. And he could do it in the casino as well. Now, his thing was to go play the machines, mm. which any you know mathematician will tell you sure. is your worst thing to do you know, right. because the odds are so heavily against you. Right. He would win almost every time. And wow. he would do it using intuition and conscious creation sure. just over and over again. He, one of the best stories he told me, there was, I, I don't know these machines, but apparently one of the things that can happen is um, you can get free spins, you know, like you know, okay. on, a, on a one-armed bandit spins. Sure. These are electronic machines, but it's the same concept. Right. And he was in a groove, and he was, he was actually making money, and then he won 500 free spins. Holy and he just sat cow. there pushing the button, free spin, free spin, and money's coming out and coming out and coming out. <laughs> Jeez, I need to hang out with that guy. I mean, David was amazing. He was truly an amazing creator. That is so awesome. He also had a really great story about how he had moved to Manhattan, Mm -hmm. and he saw what it's like to try to get an apartment there. If you know anything about New York City, rents in New York are horrific and very difficult to get. And what you can get for the money is usually pretty meager and he came from a family that you know had pretty nice places and he didn't want to just kind of settle for that so he said you know i'm going to attract something better i'm going to attract a really nice apartment it's going to be in new york it's going to be on central park west right near the gate to central park and it's going to be at a rent that i can afford Mm. And what he could afford wasn't a lot, <laughs> but somehow it was all going to come together. And he was so right. confident about it. He believed in it so completely, it actually did happen. And the way it happened was it was one of those serendipitous, you know, one synchronicity after another. Isn't that so and, cool? and it all just kind of fell into place perfectly, exactly the way he dreamed it. And he was so good at that stuff. That stuff just blows me away. I mean – Obviously, it's it's really cool when it happens to you, but it's it's even it. I I, I love it when it happens to anybody. Oh yeah, and you sure. hear about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's so crazy, and a lot of people like don't get it. Um, and it's interesting because I had a similar situation. Um, going back about well about ten years, mm-hmm. uh, about nine ten years when. Shortly after my spiritual awakening, right, I, on that Friday show, I, I shared about my journey and, or a little bit about it. And, but when I, the thing that I didn't talk about was when I retired and I was starting to do this full time, yeah. being a psychic medium, um, there's a period when you get out of the military that they stop your military because I was being, you know, retired. So they were right. going to pay me, right. um, per month. And, but there's a, there's about a month that you don't get paid. Oh, because okay. the military wants, Uncle Sam wants to make sure you don't have any debts to the government. And ah. so, so there's a month so gap, so and then holding you can pay all that. Yeah. Well, about the time that I retired and they stopped my pay, the government at that time was, um, we were in a, uh, 
they were in a shutdown basically, basically. And they stopped all military and government funding ah. for a, for a short period of time. Oh, by the way, my, my wife at the time, um, had to leave work because of health reasons. Oh God. And so there was no money coming in and we right. had a couple little kids. And so I was like, I was freaking out and I was like, do I need to run down and get a job? I don't care. Flipping burgers. Do I need, you know, to, something, just to yeah, served. something to, to get by, you know, is until we get going, what do we need to do? And we both clearly, my wife and I, my wife does energy work as well. Um, got very clearly, um, that we were not to do that. Okay. And we we're like, uh, kind of looking at the universe going, yeah. In the bank account, like, <laughs> you know, and, but clearly it was like, don't worry, it's all going to come in. And it was so crazy, Wolf, because you talk about manifesting stuff. For example, during that period, there was a time, um, where uh, a friend of ours said, Hey, do you mind if I come over and use your printer to hmm. print off a, um, a, a job resume? And I said, well, that's not a problem. However, we're out of ink. Just have about, couldn't afford ink, to be quite honest. Sure. And he showed up um, actually late, and he goes, it was so weird. He was, like, kind of looking around like he didn't know what the hell he was doing there at our house. <laughs> and he goes, um, I'm going to go home, but here's, like, <laughs> I don't know if he was in a trance or what, but he was like, I don't need to use it, um, but just keep the ink, like, you know, the ink manifested itself. Um, <laughs> payment, like we overpaid an in insurance or something and checks would come in from, you know, like insurance or other things that evidently we overpaid. Mm-hmm. And it was just so crazy. Um, and it was like, wow, we just completely amazed. And of course, now I will preface this by saying that we just didn't sit there and just wish everything. We had right. to take active steps into doing things. We had to reach out to, hey, let's uh, start thinking of ideas and, you know, uh, maybe events or whatever, but start thinking in a business mindset. But at the same time, the universe was kind of walking towards us as we were walking towards, right? you know, and I think that's one of the things that people, uh, a misconception mm-hmm. um, that you can just sit and in a sense just sit with your hand out and expect it to be delivered without any action on your part. Well it's certainly found- a hell of a lot easier with the action piece. I think right, it actually is right. possible, but you gotta have a level of certainty that far exceeds what most people right. can muster in order to have it just kind of appear. That's that's really pushing it for most people. Because I mean if you can right. really believe that, yeah, sure, it could happen. Sure, I don't sure. know anyone who can do that. Right. I don't know well, who has that level of belief. I certainly don't. I mean, my my level is a lot better than it used to be, but you know, I mean, right. I just I just know going into it. No, I'm not even going to try to do that. I'm going to do an action right. step of some kind, step, inspired right. by what it is I'm trying right. to do. Not going to just kind of sit there and wait because I could be waiting a long time, knowing right. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, though, is what I what I found personally is I'm able to get to those visions or those goals a lot quicker if I take actionable steps or if I at least take yes. a few steps through the doorway and and it could be in a completely different scope or direction but at least the universe knows that I'm moving forward instead of at least for me personally now okay, some well, other people would be like Dean I just hey stuff was showing up and that does happen I know yes people, it does I know people it happens with Dan McGain is a great example of that um, but the beauty, and, and I think this is kind of what gets overlooked with what you're talking about, mm-hmm. the beauty of taking the action steps is that when you're taking action steps, unless you've, you're really tripping yourself up, you're right. in a good vibe. Yeah. Because that's, you, you're doing this because you really want this thing to happen. Right. You, you want to be a part of it, you know, and you don't necessarily know what to do. You don't necessarily right. know how it's going to play out. You just know you have to take some kind of a step and the universe will just kind of guide you and you just kind of follow the signs, so to speak. You know, but just doing that right. feels a little bit better than what it felt before you did it. And that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Oh, it does. It does. One of my favorite, favorite books, um, when talking about law of attraction, 
um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon, Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill, yeah. Oh, love, 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 love it. When I love in the part of the book where he talks about back before he wrote the book, right? Mm-hmm. And he was trying, I think was trying to get to New York mm-hmm. to pitch the idea of the book. And right. he, it was during the depression and he didn't have a penny to his name. Right. And he walked around that schoolhouse about a bazillion times <laughs> to try to figure out what he's going to do. And then finally it just, you know, Hey, you need to go ask your brother-in-law for the money and a car, whatever, and get there. And then, Hey, don't get the, the cheap, cheap, cheap room. Get the treat yourself, get a good room because then you're going to project yourself better. Mm-hmm. And all the things that he did off it based off his intuition or what he was getting from the universe, right? Yeah. And by the time he left New York, he had the deal, he had the money to pay however I think he was there what over a week or whatever, but he he had all this money and every he got it back tenfold. And In I fact, just if I if I remember correctly, that's what led to the trip to Pittsburgh where he met with Carnegie. Right, right. It all it was all serendipitous. One door right. opened the other and yep. it was I was completely blown away. And that's one of my still remains one of my top favorite books about law of attraction, mm-hmm. listening to your intuition. Um because he, here he was back in an era that that wasn't really accepted widely, right? That was they're very quiet, and here he, you know, here he's doing this and and he's listening. And that was actually my frustration with the book, believe it or not, the fact that he was living in that period of time where he really couldn't be direct. So he mm. was so indirect that I didn't understand what he was talking about half the time. Oh, I, sure. I did. I mean, there were times he would say. If you understand this, you know what I'm saying here. And I'd say, I don't understand. What the hell are you saying? <laughs> I don't get it. You so don't get I, it till you get it. Literally yeah. for years, I got, I was just frustrated with Think and Grow Rich because I felt cheated. Like I, mm-hmm. like, you know, just tell me what it is, Napoleon. Come on. But sure, no, sure. he lived in a time where he just, if he had done that, I think his publishers were right about that. Right. If he had been more specific and more direct about it, he probably would have ridden out of town on a rail at that point in time. Right. Well, and. And think back to it, that book, now correct me if I'm wrong, the book was not published, or the full book was not published until after his passing. There was something that wasn't passed or published until, was it, was it? I don't know that part. Well, there was, there was something that I think it was the full manuscript or something, but it was pretty controversial for the time anyways. And it made a huge impact into a lot of people's lives. But at the same time, it was uh, pretty – he was ahead of his time. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, there were other people who were contemporaries of his. mm -hmm. Um, Florence Scovel Shin comes to mind. She actually wrote a few years before he did. And Wallace Waddles, of course, who was the inspiration for The Secret and a few others. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty rare. And if you were Mm -hmm. in that camp – I mean, the concept of what they call new thought started in the late 19th century. But – it was on the same level as Ouija boards. I mean, it was mm. not respected at all. It was right. often considered to be the devil's work. It was, right. you know, it, it had a very bad rep. So uh, it's almost amazing it actually caught on at all, to be perfectly right. honest. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting, too, because that goes into his other book. Um, I think it was called Outwitting the Devil. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Nope. I never read it. Yeah, so... Where basically Napoleon Hill, um, if, if the thought of basically it goes with the thought that we have within us basically uh, the devil in mm-hmm. a sense, if you think of it that way, and the devil being anything that keeps us in a state of accomplishing what we want through um, hypnotic rhythm, I think he uses the term, but oh, okay. basically pro- procrastination. And basically what those things are, you know, like uh, money, sex, booze, all these different things that were of the time. Now, you know, you can add social media and other things, electronics. But anything you devote your time to, to keep yourself from doing something that you truly should be doing to live your greatest potential, right? Or what you want to do. It just uh, occurred to me there's somebody else, too, from that same era who found a way 
to get the message out without offending the powers that be. And that's Neville Goddard. Mm. Neville Goddard did his uh, teaching from the 1930s through the 1960s. So he was right in the midst of all that in the early part okay. of his career. And he basically framed it in terms of Christianity and said, well, this is based on the Bible. It's just what you've been taught in the Bible is inaccurate. Here's what the Bible really means. And so he basically Ooh. you know, took their stuff and turned it into this stuff. Right. And got now away I with can it. Only... Because he I... actually gave his talks in a chapel that was controlled by the Catholic Church in New York City. Oh, wow. I mean, just like, wow. Right. <laughs> so that, I mean, that was clever work right there. Right. That right. was really clever. But could you imagine being a fly in the wall, like rocking the just a bolt there saying like, this is all in the Bible, but it's all been done right. It's like, what, what are you saying? And it's like, boy, that's, that's a huge organization to, especially back then where especially then. more staunch, right? It's yeah. less open-mindedness. Um, I think it, is so, so I mean, it's truly amazing. And, and literally, I mean, he, he turned all of basic Christian teaching on its ear. I mean, wow. for him, God and Jesus were the equivalent of consciousness. Wow. And he even would say that at times, it, it, X equals Y. They are the same thing, you know? Right. And, and, and he, we, uh, Cindy Chavez and I actually did most of his books page by page discussing the chapters and so forth. And we developed what we call the Neville Dakota ring, which is mm -hmm. where you take all of this metaphors and you say, okay, this is what he really means when he says that. This is what he's really talking about, because otherwise you can get lost really quick. Sure, sure. And I'm sure that was by design because of the restraints that he was working within. But my God, the things that he was teaching were sacrilege. They were heresy. <laughs> right? I mean, they really were. If, if yeah, actually, you know, and top level bishop got a hold of it. <laughs> well, that's why I was like really surprised when you said he was actually talking about this stuff in like churches. Oh, yeah. And, you know. You know, it was a particular chapel that he gave his talks in particular. I mean, he would travel the country, too. And right. there were some great stories that came out of that. Those um, guys were ahead of their time, I tell they you. They were. Yeah. Yeah, they really that's were. That's so awesome. That That's so cool. When and and it's also cool. I mean, I mentioned Florence Scovel Shin. I'm glad that there's at least one woman in there. Right. And she was way ahead of her time. I don't know if you've read her stuff, but she was definitely. Heard. She was one of the early ones. She was earlier than both Neville and okay. Napoleon. Yeah. That's really, very cool. Really That's, and I'm sure there's more. We just haven't heard of them, right? I know of a famous one. Okay. The author of the Sherlock Holmes stories, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Really? He was into this stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never saw anything that said anything similar to law of attraction per se. Sure. But he was very much into alternative spiritualism and so forth in a big, big way. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. fascinating. You never hear that side of him. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. I now I almost makes me want to go back and open up like an old uh, Sherlock Holmes or something, see if it's if there's any smatterings of it in his work. You know, it's like I'm trying to think. Little bits. I mean, I I know and the right. stories really well. There's like fifty fifty six stories, I think it is, and yeah. I I know them all pretty well. And every once in a while, there's like a little bit in there, but he was really, really careful not to sure. insert it. He wanted to just tell the stories in the strand magazine so that the readers would keep buying the stories through the magazine. Sure. Every week. Right, right, yeah. right. Which Didn't is want to commit uh, artist uh, suicide per se. Exactly. By, yeah. yeah. Falling on that sword. So. It gave new meanings, new meaning to the phrase politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, or perhaps old meaning, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's so crazy, you know, and I think we just keep on using the term like ahead of their time. And it just, mm -hmm. um, and it's so interesting, like, because people, even now, they use that term like for folks, you're ahead of your time. It's like, mm -hmm. well, when the hell is the right time? Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there was people <laughs> before me doing they? this. There's people now. It's like, really? It's like, <laughs> let's get with the program. Let's get with the program. So, Well, especially uh, in light of what we know about the nature of time at this point in the development of, you know, spiritualism and energy understanding and, you know, interconnection and so forth right because we've been now able to tie it into the theories of quantum physics and quantum right. physics basically teaches us how warped time really is and ultimately how it has little or no meaning and right. so now we actually have an understanding that says well there time is just an illusion 
and reality is divinely indifferent to this whole concept of time. So okay. that's how it is that you can have these synchronicities that appear at the most wacky times because there is no time. It's just an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a free for all. It's like, so is it a free for all? Do you get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do, you know, and it, isn't that interesting when, when you, when somebody says that, Walt, like there is no time. So then the, well, I'll call the 3D mind, right? Okay. The trying to conceptualize that, put it in terms that we can understand, like almost saying, okay, so is there mile markers? Is there, it's like, no, there's none of that. It just exists. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not yesterday. It's not today or tomorrow. It just is. It's like, what? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always, it, it just exists. But we are starting to get. I guess you could call them mileage markers in a sense. Sure. Um, through science. Yeah. I mean, science for quite some time has been able to replicate the experiment where you have two different controlled environments and you have event A happen in, in the first laboratory, so to speak, and it occurs simultaneously at the second laboratory, you know, 150 miles away. And they've been able to reproduce that quite a bit. But recently, they were able to reproduce it galactically. They were able to do it through a nearby star system. And I don't remember exactly how they were able to do it, but they were able to do something here and then notice that it was actually coming through there as well. And and I I don't really? quite understand how that works because it takes light x amount of years for it to come right. here, light years. So I I don't quite get how they measure that. But they were able to prove it to the satisfaction of scientists that you could actually do simultaneity. That is like, so cool. Whoa. <laughs> right. Like, so you want some evidence that there is no time? I think there's some evidence right there. <laughs> well, and you know the cool thing is, is as science catches up, um, starting to prove, I guess, um, on the logical aspect, uh, you know, just like you shared, um, so, you know, things such as that, as far as you know, the, the cons- or perception of time and, and other things, you know, frequency and, and matter and all this great stuff that has been talked about for decades. And, you know, and now it's just getting saying, here's quantifiable facts and figures um, to show you that that really is the case. It's not just some mumbo jumbo. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. I mean, there, yeah. There's a, uh, two lines from an old movie that we all know, Close Encounters of the, of the Third Kind. Mm. And the two lines in the movie, I think, really summarize what we're talking about. <clears throat> this is where they're on uh, the top of that flat mountain. I can't remember what it's called. Devil's, Devil's Tower, right? The Devil's Tower, yeah. Yep. And the ships are, are starting to come in. I think one of them's actually landed. And these two scientists are there. And one of them says to the other, Einstein was right. And the other one says, Einstein was probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> right that pretty much summarizes it I right think. <laughs> right absolutely yeah that's i think that's an understatement there for sure so let's get back to um what we were talking about a little bit on friday because you had the experience of uh, bringing in your psychic abilities and combining them mm-hmm. with Rita's and with Linda's. We, we, it was quite the psychic session. I was loving the way you guys were kind of tag teaming. Oh, I had so much fun. Those ladies are so much fun. Such great energy. Oh, yeah. Uh, was yeah. This... Linda and Rita are fabulous. Yes. Them. Awesome. But uh, uh, let's go. What I'm trying to kind of segue into is the psychic thing that you got going that you yeah. discovered uh, about three years before you left the military. Yeah, and that's... you kind of outlined, you know, you were going through. Well, okay, what am I going to do with this thing? I don't know what I'm going to do with <laughs> right. this. And you ultimately came to decisions about that. So I just kind of wanted to touch on that part of the story. What happened yeah. after you decided what you were going to do? Oh man, it was like I fell down the rabbit hole. Right? Somebody came out, <laughs> little green gremlin came out, and beat me with the bat. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. No. Um, you know, after I really embraced Walt, after I embraced, I was like, you know, I guess I am a medium and, you know, you know, my, my mission is really what it's always been because that's the reason that I've joined the military is to not, not only be a part of something bigger than myself, but to really help other people. That's really what it's all about. And at least for me. And so I was like, that's, that's my new mission statement. Um, 
And, you know, if I can help just one individual, it'll make it all worth it. And, um, so I was like, okay, well, what does that look like? What's, you know, and so I started dipping my toes, so to speak, into the professional aspect of being a psychic medium. And, you know, I took a class in mediumship because I had to understand because in the early, early, early days, my abilities were on again, off again, meaning sometimes it was like drinking from a fire hydrant, quite literally, with all the information. I couldn't speak fast enough. I was getting so much. And then it was like, boom, it was dried up. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was frustrated. And so it was I needed an on-off switch and you didn't know where the on-off switch was. Right. <laughs> and I didn't know if there was, is there some, is it me, yeah. you know? And so I was like, I need to learn more about this. I need mm-hmm. to, you know, set some boundaries around everything and learn the ins and outs. And so I found an ethical teacher. Um, I did my research and it was like the universe really presented. It was cool. It was mm. universe really just said, here you go. Here's the, here's, you know, it was, it was a guy. Um, there's a lot of great teachers out there, but in this instance, it was a guy and said, here you go. And so I took a class in mediumship and, um, then really after that, I took a year, um, and just tried to figure, you know, um, practice my craft, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I didn't charge anything. Just trying it out. Like, just seeing if you could do it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing with this. And then, um, and then I was like, and of course my wife, it was interesting as I started getting closer. We're right before retirement, and my wife goes, what are you going to start charging? <laughs> and I got, I remember this still very vividly. I got mad at her because I still felt that I was very much, in a sense, the apprentice. You know, I felt like, how am I going to, I used the analogy of a plumber. I said, how am I going to charge like a plumber when I'm still the apprentice? And, you know, and, and I was all, and she was like, well, it's all about energy, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, but I'm still getting the feedback from the the clients as far as my learning, that's my energy exchange. And once I got over the aspect of asking for money, because I had a big, big, big personal hang up with that um, about asking for a price. It was, it was funny because people just start before I even asked, people started offering me money. Right. Here's, you know, and I was like, and it was so crazy. I look back at it and I laugh at myself because people were literally a couple friends threw money at me. Said, "Here, take your damn money. Don't give me anything." Yeah. And I was like, and I was going, "No, no, no. I'm not doing this for money. This is this is free." And they were like, "Would you take them?" Almost, take the almost getting in an <laughs> argument. And I was like, "The universe is going with you, idiot. Would you be open right. to receive? They're they're you're denying them the ability to give." And Look, it's one thing to wake up, but you got to wake up. Come on. <laughs> right? And so when I got over myself, quite honestly, and the fact of you're providing a service and they are wanting to pay, um, you know, then it was like I, um, I came up with a amount and started charging. And then so I started doing it in, in a business. There, and by the then, way, one of our one of our regular listeners is is uh, putting stuff in the live stream. He says, "I'm loving this information. It's helping me in the time that I'm in." And that's because yeah. he provides one to one personal service. Oh uh, yeah, helping with people with healing. So he, well, he's he's eating this up. Oh awesome! Well, I trust that the universe is leading us in the right direction with conversation, right? But what I have found personally, when I in looking back, this is hindsight. When any time that I had. Um, a conflict with myself or issues with myself about a charging money for my service or product or whatever, or raising my rates. Um, it's all what I found personally. It's more about finding value with me. Yes. It was my value. It wasn't about Dean's reading, you know, what John, Johnny Q will pay for reading. It was what Dean McMurray believes Dean McMurray's worth because Uh-oh. that uh, you're damn right. A reading with Dean McMurray is worth X, Y, Z. Then I had zero problems telling a client that my readings cost. And when I first started seeing clients, actually, we're in my office now. There's another, 
but when they used to come to my home for readings, um, I used to dance around the the part when it came to money because it was always awkward. How do you, right. do you ask him in the front? Do you ask him in you know? Do I feel needy asking? Okay, it's uh, so much money for whatever, um, whatever you know. And it's like it's it's almost like the universe saying, "Get over it." Mm. If you go and buy donuts or hire a electrician, you know they will send you a bill, or you got to pay right then. Yeah. And there's no dancing around it. There's the price. That's right. So whether you've already come to the realization that maybe you're exchanging services or products for doing what you're getting, and there's the, you can do the barter system. I've done that for great friends that are uh, masseuses, and they're like, hey. yeah, there you go. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm all about <laughs> sure. Um But you know, the thing is, is that regardless of what you agree to. The biggest thing at the end of the day, as long as it's an equal energy exchange, and when it came to, again, I will reiterate, when I had issues, when it came to price or raising my price, it all boiled down to me. It had nothing to do about anybody else. It really had nothing to do about my readings. It was all about what I felt I was worth. And when I was able to take the quintessential Sharpie marker and – dry erase and rewrite how much above that price above our heads, how much we feel that we're worth, mm-hmm. then guess what? Sky's the limit. And that's when I really was able to start manifesting because I pulled the restraints off of what I believed in my reptilian brain of what I'm worth. And once you start increasing your worth, your product, your services become more sought after. They'll become more, um, oh, they'll become richer in a sense. I'm not talking um, money richer, but talking about it has a deeper depth to it. You know, one of the cool things um, I noticed, I've noticed over the years, I was thinking like, um, Hey, you know, I'll discount, um, I've done this before thinking, oh, I'll give everybody a break and I'll discount, um, something like a reading, right? I think one time it was a half hour reading and I discounted and it was this stupid discount. I mean, when I say mm-hmm. stupid, it was, it was really low mm-hmm. and I thought I was trying to be generous and right. I, cause I knew things were tight for folks and I thought mm-hmm. I'm just being, it's my way of giving. Yep. And I thought, you know what? This is great opportunity for folks that want to get my services. And guess what? I maybe had one reading out of that. Mm-hmm. Guess why? Because they didn't see value in something that was steeply discounted. Yeah. Ooh, must not be worth it if he's really discounted. Or it seems needy. And even though I use the verbiage, hey, you know, I know that there's people out there struggling and everything saying, hey, you know, I'm trying to help folks out. And if, but if they don't see value in it, they're not going to get it. Even if they're struggling and not saying that, you know, you go outside their, how do I want to say financial threshold, but at the same, and you got to determine your price for you. But at the same time is what I have found personally is if I drop my rates way too much trying to help folks out, they don't see value in it, and I won't see a return in that. And so that in reality, it's just the opposite. I, can, I, I help less people mm-hmm. because less people are signing up for the services, classes, or whatever. So I pick the middle of the road and then saying, okay, well, it's discounted some but still kind of up there and, or maybe it's average, whatever the case. And then you see, you'll, you know, you'll see it, right? And so that was one of the big things that was eye opening to me. It was like, really? You know, you're getting this much for the, you know, I'm thinking on the app, but yeah, they're like, uh, no. There really is. It's crazy. And, you know, another thing I'll share that I struggled with in the beginning. Um, was when I started going to business and I was charging money and everything was going fine. And, but then comes the time in everybody's business. It's like, you know, I've been doing this for maybe 
a few years or whatever the case is, and you start getting known, you're starting to uh, to develop your brand or your business, and then comes the time for a price change. And because you're trying to provide more, there's a lot of overhead and other things, and there's nothing wrong with getting paid for what you're doing. And when you start meeting or exceeding the price that your mentors or your teachers charge, and again, it goes back to what you feel that you're worth. They're saying, how, you know, how can I be charging this? I've only been in business. Right. Three, five, whatever, however long, five months. I don't care. It's up, you know, and again, it was like the universe, like, God, would you get over yourself? Like, you know, somebody's got to go, oh my God, he's back at it again. Would you give me the bottles? Like, oh my God. And, but the thing is, is, um, really it was, you know, almost that those steps per, per, you know, predominantly steps, but, I would share, I think the last time, it's been a number of years since I did a, a big price adjustment. And um, one of the things, and it, it was a pretty substantial um, jump and, in charging. And the thing that I would share is I knew that I would lose when I did it. I made a real conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And I knew that by doing it, I would lose some customers. Sure. I, I knew it. And yeah. I was like, and I don't want to, nope. you know, leave anybody out. I want to be able to serve in any capacity. But the universe was like, Dean, you can't, you can't serve everybody. This is a big world. There's so many people for everybody else. Well, plus there isn't all that much hours in the day. I mean, you're limited right. in terms of what you can fit. It's one of you. That's well, it. there's, there's, only one there's one. And I got a family. And I, you know, I, and, you know, there's other stuff going on besides, you know, um, just doing mediumship stuff too. Right. And there's so many other facets that I do. And so the thing that I would share is like, okay, well, you know, um, so when I made the jump, it was really interesting because it brings you into a whole different paradigm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, as long as you're comfortable with that and you can hold the energy of that um, energy exchange, then, um, you know, that's something. But, um, you know, I always I, I'm still a big believer in giving back um, when sure. when you can, um, you know, whatever that is. So whether it's you know, through a conversation, whether it's introductions or just free advice or, you know, um, whatever that is. But I'm still a big believer in giving back where and when you can. And it's not always financial. But, of course, I always, I'm always i always giving tons of readings away to fundraisers and galas and, yeah, uh, yeah and all That's that. That's just part you of know. marketing, really. Well, you know, sure, and it's also, it's, yeah, there's a there's a marketing aspect to that, yeah. too. But then also I I put it in that genre, that niche of, hey, this is my also my way of giving back. Sure, giving there's. Back. Sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. so I was saying, you know, um, that way somebody is, I'm donating my time and talents um, to raise some money for a great cause. And, you know, that way then. Um, you know, somebody gets a reading. So, absolutely, it's always, yeah. yeah. So, it, it, it's a good question, a, a good topic. Um, yeah. For one, for me personally, um, Jeffrey, by the way, was expressing his appreciation for what you were talking about. Um, and for for my own situation, I mean, I do this show just because I love it. I, I've never made money mm-hmm. off of it. I want to get to the point where I can. Sure. And I've had lots of people suggesting things. Well, you know, what you really should do is this, you know, do, do some merch, merchandising, or do right, the, uh, right, you know, right. have people, you know, do like the uh, public TV and ask people to become donors. Or, <laughs> or, or you know, you can also pay, charge the people who are coming on to right. reach your audience and all that. Yep. And none of it resonated with me. None right. of it resonated. What, what kept coming to me over and over and over again, I kept wondering, is this like me resisting? But I don't think it is. I think this is just me paying attention. I could be wrong. Sure. Is just build the audience up. You get the audience large mm-hmm. enough, the money's going to come in. You don't have to worry yep. about it. you get the audience large enough. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know, it comes in through advertising, mm-hmm. maybe through a speaking appearance. I mean, it just yep. comes in in various different ways. So yep. that's the way I've always been looking at it. And I'm getting close. I mean, right now, on average, 
about six to seven hundred listeners per play per episode, rather. That's very. I figured awesome. my threshold is probably going to be around a thousand where I can where stuff starts to happen. Wow. And of course, because I believe sure. that that's probably what it'll be, you know. Sure. But I, I have visions of like mega audiences. No, that's and you get awesome. into mega audiences. You know, that's it, it, as you're getting into it, it just starts to. I believe it, it'll it just come. To come right. Yeah. You know? So. I certainly would like it to come sooner rather than later, but I'm happy with it coming when it comes. Well, there's a divine timing to it too, right? It's like um, sometimes it can't come sooner because if it does, maybe there's missing a key element or key individual Mm -hmm. that needs to open a door for you to get to those audience numbers or that, you know, end state that you want. Because, you know, you were talking earlier, Walt, about all the co-hosts through the years and, and the ones that are still with you and all that great stuff. And, you know, you think about that on our individual lives as we go through it, you know, whether it's uh, maybe ex-girlfriends, ex-wife, whatever, you know, relationships, friends, whatever, r- romantic or not. But thinking if we wouldn't have had the relationships that we had in the past or the people that we meet or the people that we interact with, and leads us down this timeline or this path to where we are currently in our life and saying, you know what, if I wouldn't have did this, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I wouldn't be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, so trying to speed past, even though I think there's part of our mind that's like, let's go, let's get her done. Let's go. Of course. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, right. We want, you know, we're, we're, trying to be proactive and get ahead of the ball and movers and shakers. But, um, you know, that divine timing piece saying, Hey, hang on, buddy. You know, if, if, if you don't have this other piece, we can jump, you know, jump the gun. But if we don't, then we're going to be missing some key elements that, you know, it's going to be kind of funky, <laughs> you know, in the future, it's like, you don't see it yet, but down the road, maybe three years, you'll look back and go, Oh, Oh, I see that. Like if I wouldn't have met Walt, I wouldn't have done X, Y, Z, right? Or, you know, maybe all the time. For example, like the conversation, um, like the listener that wrote in the conversation that we're having right in this given moment, um, I'm hoping, um, makes a profound, uh, change or gives profound information well he just confirmed it actually not only did he give thanks he said i just had this conversation with my morning client i mean there, talk about so there you go there, you there's know? validation yeah right there so you know it's it's uh so cool and you were talking about that you don't listen to your inner channeling walt i mean <laughs> no it's not that i don't listen I, I i listen i do pay attention it's what when i what i was trying to express is that i i have longed to be able to converse like I converse with you and, right. and, to ha- and to hear the words come back or to, or to in some way be able to grasp what's coming back that I can frame in a conversational format. I've never mm-hmm. been able to pull that off. So like you guys, you, you can actually take information and you can turn it into words. You can, you can express right. blocks of thought in words. And that's something I, I just feel very weak at. I'm getting well, it better than I used to, but sure. it's still so, so scattered. You know, compared to where I want it to be. That's what I'm trying to express. One one of the things we didn't talk about when I was on that last show was my biggest belief is that we're all psychic. We're all medium. That's my belief. I, and that I every single and, psychic I've ever talked to says that. Every well, single and one. And I use the analogy. Somebody, I, I stole the analogy that somebody used one time talking about psychics and mediums. They used the analogy of baseball. Mm-hmm. And they said because... Almost every kid, almost, not every kid, but almost every kid has played baseball at some level, maybe in school. Right. But here's, here's the cool thing. So think back to elementary days, um, first, second grade, whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're out hitting the ball, whatever, maybe a gym class. So you start there at the elementary level and you're at the, the entry level, but you continue on and like, where do you want to take it? Do you play until high school? Do you play through college? Do you take it to, you know, do you go on and play in the majors? Um, where do you go play for the Olympics? Where do you want to take it? Right. And that's same, that's the same thing when it talks about, um, you know, any ability really, you could really take it, use that analogy anywhere. 
but saying, you know, what's your intent? What do you want to do with it? And, you know, if you just want to drive it on the weekends, um, saying, you know, hey, uh, that's cool too. But, um, to, 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 to get it stronger, to make it like the second language, um, it's like, okay, I need to train for the Olympics, so to speak, and I need to incorporate it into everyday life. And, um, but how do you train? That's the thing that blows my mind. I mean, if I were to it's, sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do some training now, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. <laughs> Lifting weights with psychic energy. Um, so, so it, it, there's a lot of different exercises, but one of them, so, um, if, if you would indulge me, I could do a quick visualization. Yeah, sure. We got a couple minutes left. Let's okay. Perfect. So, um, if everybody would, if you're listening to this or whatever, um, I would invite you to sit with your feet flat on the ground and close your eyes real quick. And take a nice deep breath in and let it out. And just relax just for a moment. And what I want you to do is visualize in your mind that you're sitting in a busy mall. This is pre-COVID, so (laughs) no masks. (laughs) And so if you think of all the sights and sounds, maybe a little coffee kiosk, tons of people walking around chatting, you smell all the, uh, maybe the food court, the Cinnabons, whatever, all the sight smells of a busy mall. And I, so you're really doing a lot of people watching. And you're visualizing that you're sitting in front of a department store. It can, doesn't matter what it is. It can be a Penny's. It can be a Macy's. Doesn't matter. And I want you to visualize yourself walking into this department store. Now, as you walk in, I want you to grab a cart, and so there's different areas of the store that I want you to pay attention to. To the left are the women's, to the right is the men's, and all the way in the back of the store is the kids. And um, so what I want you to do, without thinking, I want you to head to that, just allow yourself to go to a certain area of the store and start grabbing clothes off the rack. Doesn't matter if you're a man grabbing women's clothing or women grabbing men's. Does not matter. Once you got your clothes in your cart, I want you to head to the nearest um, changing room. And once in there, I want you to uh, start changing into the clothes that you have in your cart. Now, it might feel a little uncomfortable if you're changing into a different uh, sex's clothes, but just go with me here for a minute. And as you do this, what I want you to do as you get the last garments on, I want you to take another nice deep breath in. Let it out. And I want you in your mind to open your eyes and look in the full-length mirror. And the individual that you're seeing at first might be you in somebody else's clothes, but then I want you to see the individual that is stepping forward to communicate with you. Notice from head to foot what kind of hair, what kind of hat, if they're wearing a hat. Are they wearing earrings? Are they wearing a necklace? What about the features of their face? Is there anything specific about their throat or their chest? And continue going all the way down, whether it's a feeling, whether it's something visual that you can see, Be aware of all your senses as you connect with them. And if they start communicating with you verbally, that's fine. Listen to that. But also pay attention to all your other senses. Do you feel something with them? Do you feel the way that they passed? Do you feel or see or smell or perhaps taste um, something that they used to bake or sew or a hobby? Okay, what I'd like you to do is take another nice deep breath in. Okay, go ahead and open your eyes, return to the room. So one of the things that's just a really quick visualization, and that's a technique that that I call at the mall. And basically what it is, is that is a technique that I teach when students are having a hard time. Remember, I mentioned earlier and early on in my development, I was like drinking from a fire hydrant and then it would dry up. Right. That's another way to connect to spirit and to get a visualization and also 
information. And then it's getting around the monkey mind, I call it, or the ego mind. And there's a lot or other real cool visualizations as well, but it's a way to start communicating. And, um, I get the ball but those, okay. yeah, so that's one technique or that's mm-hmm. one, I guess we want to call it exercise. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending this time. Thank you for doing this at the last minute because you kind of stepped in graciously at the last minute. Well, thanks for thinking of me, Walt. And, uh, thank you for, you know, not only doing the show, but, um, yeah, allowing me to jibber jab for, (laughs) it's fun. It's, it It is. Isn't this like really addicting? That's the way I find it. Well, it is. And, and you make it so easy. The show so easy flows so nice. So. Well, great. Glad. Well, we'll have to have you back another time. I'll kind of keep you in mind in case the co-host is sick or can't make it or something like that. I always reach out. You never know what my <laughs> schedule right. looks Sounds like. Good. So, so thank you very much. Thank you, live streamers. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.